This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. I don't know if you've been around and paying attention for the last few weeks, but God is doing something here. I mean, really, He is. God's doing something, and, and it's tough to even understand, like for me, what God's doing. In the last two weeks, in the last two, this is two weeks, guys, 47 people have committed on connection cards that they have committed in their lives to follow Jesus. 47! I mean, that's a ridiculous number. Right? That is. And what that means is that there's a lot of us in the room that want to follow Jesus, but we got some issues. <laughs> we, we ain't been doing it right. And I want to. I want to do it right. And I want to get my life on the right track. And, and, and really, in, 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 in the sports world, this is where we say it's, it's time to do some work. It's time to start putting some work in, right? That's where many of us are today. And that's what this series is all about. This series is about, those, it's for those of us that have issues. I don't know, if you, raise your hand if you have an issue. Raise your hand. I've got an issue. Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, the, your issue is that you don't think you have issues. All right. <laughs> All right, that's, that's your issue. I'll just go ahead and give it to you. All right. What, and, and we've called this life support. We've called this series life support because the, there is hidden in that a reality that we all need to embrace, and it's this, that in life we need support. In, in life, we, we need support. We need people that will come alongside of us and encourage us. We need people who will instruct us. I need someone to correct me. I, I, I need that. The Bible says that a fool despises correction. I need that. We need life support because many of your lives right now, your life, is on life support. See, we need support today. Most of us, if we think about our lives right now, we probably in one area have something that is in critical condition. There is an area of our life that right now, at this moment, as we all sit gathered here today, there is a part of your life that is in critical condition condition. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe when you get off work at five in the afternoon, you actually think in the back of your mind, I'd rather stop by the store, go look at some parts for my car, or, you know, I'm going to stop by the river, and maybe I'm going to go to the gym and work out a little bit longer, because you really don't want to go home. Because right now, your marriage is in critical condition. Maybe today your finances are in critical condition. When you open up your checkbook, when you pull up your online banking, 
and you look, you just, this is a mess. It's it's a mess. I don't I don't feel like I have enough money to pay the bills at the end of the month because I'm buying stuff I shouldn't at the beginning. And maybe today, maybe today, your heart is in critical condition. Maybe the center of your emotions, your heart. Maybe today, your heart is in critical condition. I would say that there are many of us that are in the room today that have hearts that are in critical condition. We're actually going to talk about that later in this series on a message called heart disease. But here's one thing that I would tell you today. If you're in critical condition, if you need life support, join the club. (laughs) Right? Did you see all those hands that went up earlier? I got an issue. I got two issues. What are you talking about? I have both hands. I got so I don't have enough hands, legs. You know. If you have an issue, join the club. You know, the thing is is that when we are dealing with stuff that is in critical condition, so often we feel isolated. We feel like we're the only ones going through I'm the only one who's ever experienced this. And that's not true at all. It's not true at all, and we're going to find that today. We need life support. We need to be supported in life. Here's two good reasons why we need life support for the critical conditions in our lives. The first one is that we've given up hope for change in that situation. We've given up hope for change. We've gotten to the place where it's been so bad for so long, and I've prayed, and I've asked God to intervene, and I've believed that God could do it, and I've had those moments when I was a snotty mess on the ground praying, and it felt like God was in the room, and I was going to get up, and the problem was just going to be wiped clean and solved, and I got up, and it was the same. We've given up hope. In that great love chapter in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love because faith in Jesus produces hope. And that which we hope in, we will love. That's why love is definitely the greatest of those things. You see, we've lost hope because we've lost faith. The second thing that I would say is that there are things that are critical conditions that we've just simply accepted them as, this is just who I am. I'm the guy that gets angry. I'm Irish, you know, red hair. I just get angry. My dad got angry. My grandpa got angry. It's just how we live. It's just who I am. No, it isn't. It's sin. Sorry. It's not Irish. It's sin. And there are things that are in you. There are things that are a part of your life. There are things that you have labeled as, I know it's not right, but it's just me. I know that's not how it should be, but it's just It's just me. It's how I am. And it's in critical condition. I want to go to John 11. 
And, and I, I'm going to be honest, this is one of those things, I needed this this week. I needed this passage of scripture, and I may very well just spend the next hour preaching this, this thing Jesus says. All right, listen to this. John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, the Bible is telling us something here. That Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are friends of Jesus. As a matter of fact, there are at least four windows of time in the Bible that we see that they have interactions. There's this awesome time after this that Jesus is actually having a meal with them, especially if you know what about is about to happen in the story. But there's this personal connection. As a matter of fact, maybe outside of the disciples themselves, this is the family that Jesus is probably the most close to in all of Scripture. And one of his friends is sick. So they sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, and everybody pay attention to what Jesus says. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. So that God's son may be glorified through it. And today, there are some of you that have been wrestling critical conditions your entire lives, maybe your entire adult life. And I want to tell you that Jesus' words there are there for us. This sickness will not end in death. Think about that with me. Think about that. This sickness will not end in death. No, I know you don't want to go home because your marriage is in critical condition right now. But if you will come to me, if you will rest in me, this sickness will not end in death. I know that when you look at your finances, everything seems all messed up. But if you will come to me, if you will follow me, if you will do what I ask you to do, this sickness will not end in death. I know that there are things that you're struggling with personally right now that have always been there, and you've been that person that has went to God, got on the floor, prayed, given it to him, gotten up, and it wasn't any different. But this sickness will not end. In death. You see, Jesus was delayed in his journey to Bethany. And as a matter of fact, it might be one of those things where you sit back and you go, he straight up lied because before he could get to them, Lazarus died. And I'm thinking. That those sisters that loved Jesus and really believed in him and had been such big supporters are sitting back going, what? This wasn't supposed to happen. You, no, you said, you said that it wasn't going to end in death. You, you told me that. And he's dead. This is not, those, that doesn't work together at all. Contradiction right here, God. Right? This is, you said this has happened. That wasn't all Jesus said. He said this, what's about to happen is going to happen so that God 
can be glorified. And sometimes we are so arrogant in our strengths that we think that we can pull all this together and make it happen. And God will put you in a position where you are sick and there might be what appears to be a momentary death. But that sickness won't end in death because what God is doing as you rest in him is leading you to a place where he will get the glory. Because when Jesus walked up and said to a dead Lazarus who smelled already because his body had become to de- decompose, come out, he walked out of the tomb. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and we kind of leaned into this verse earlier in the year, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And we believe that when we are willing to surrender our plans to God and say, God, I don't care. I I don't care. I just want you. I just want you. God, come. He can take that which is dead and bring it to life. Today, for us, there's probably three different types of critical conditions that we're generically dealing with. The first one I would call drifting. We are drifting. This past week, I had the privilege of doing something that I would never do on my own, but because one of our overseers, Dan Stahlbaum, invited me to go on a trip, I went to Montana and fly fish the Bighorn River for three days. All right? Like, literally on Thursday afternoon while you were at work, I was casting into the river watching about 40 wild horses play with each other on the banks of a river with the Rocky Mountains in the backdrop. I mean, it was utterly ridiculous. It's put on by a group called the Refuge Foundation, absolutely free to me, because they wanted to... Make sure that pastors all across our country are taken care of and given a free place that they can go and rest. Isn't that awesome? All right. So I learned a little bit about drifting this week because I was not doing the dry fly fishing. We were actually nymphing, which requires you to learn a little bit about a drift. And see, what happens is that it looks a little bit like old school, like, Zebco, you know, fishing with a little bobber on the top, except that bobber has a nine-foot leader that has flies attached to it. And your job is to cast that into the stream and let it drift naturally down the river. If you're on the boat, it's floating right beside you, and your whole job is to constantly watch it and mend it and change it so that the presentation as it floats through the river looks just like something that is natural. In life, see, the thing is, when you cast to a target with that, it's never going to stay where you cast it. I mean, I love casting a fly reel. It's so, there's a lot involved in that. That I could get into. I'm way too ADD for like bobber fishing where you're just like, you know, I, that I can't do. But this I loved. And the thing that you see after a while is that no matter where I put that line, it's going to move. And today, some of us have been in moments where we have bought in to this whole Christ following thing. 
I bought into it. I, I gave it my focus, my attention. I gave it my all. But the current of life has been streaming against you. And without you ever noticing, you have drifted and drifted and drifted away from where your original intention was. In Luke 21, Jesus said this, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with, dis- with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. You see, when we let the current of culture push against us, when we let our lives be defined more clearly by what the world tells us to do than by what God has asked us to do, we're going to drift away from the original target of putting Christ at the center of our lives. The second critical condition is dying. There are some of us that spiritually we are dying. I didn't catch a whole lot of fish this week. <laughs> there were guys who caught like 30 or 40 trout. I caught like 10 trout all week long, all right? And uh, I'm not going to claim to be this super awesome fisherman, but I did learn one thing about trout that's pretty ridiculous. I remember when we used to catch fish, we would hold them up and, you know, you'd, you'd throw them back and forth and then take a picture or whatever you did back in those days. And then you'd throw them back in, they'd swim away. Well, we, me and... This guy, Pete, who's a pastor in, uh, in uh, South Florida, who doesn't fish a lot either, we were fishing it together because we were both just out of our minds not knowing what to do. And um, me, Pete, Pete and I caught our first fish. We were like, yeah, picture, 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 picture. And we are just, you know, throwing it back and forth, looking at it, holding it. And we went to put it back in the water, and it didn't do anything. It just stayed there and looked at us, belly up. And our God came over, like, you killed that fish. Like, how do we kill it? We, I mean, what do we do? It's like, well, trout cannot stay out of the water very long. Like, we have to keep putting them down in there, you know. They can breathe. They can't breathe up here like you can. I'm like, oh, sorry. My bad, fish. <laughs> Some of us are right there. Some of us are right there. Read this, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And though maybe at one point you gave your life to Jesus and you felt alive in him, maybe today you feel like that fish. I'm just not getting air right now. I'm, I'm dying. And, and I feel like I'm in the hands of some idiots. That no, no idea how to feed me or give me the water that I can breathe in. And maybe that's you today. I think it happens to us in a slow, subtle way. Really, I'd, I'd give you three stages that I, I want you to be aware of and just be locked in to look to. The first one is that we become physically fatigued. The pace of life literally gets so fast the burdens that we have agreed to carry become so great that 
physically we start to feel the fatigue of life. The second thing that happens as a result, and this is kind of a snowball effect, is that we experience emotional fatigue. Like when I'm tired, I don't process emotions as well as I do when I'm rested. You, you know that about yourself, right? Like if you haven't slept well for two or three nights, you're going to blow up on somebody for nothing. And it's not going to be until like two or three days later that you actually realize that. Oh, I'm, that was not a big deal. I have no idea what was going on. You were tired. And now you're emotionally fatigued. And emotional fatigue, physical fatigue, typically leads to spiritual fatigue. I'm so tired. I'm so emotionally drained. I really don't want to spend any time praying. I don't want to pick up my, my Bible and read it. I don't. I don't want, I'm just done. And what's happening is you're dying. You're that fish that's out of water. You're not able to breathe. And what you need, you can't get. And the last, and this is, I think, the most frightening one, is that some of us are deceived. Some of us are deceived. The Bible says in Revelation 3, 1 through 2, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. You see, the book of Proverbs tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. I think that's the scariest verse in all the Bible. That we can be so convinced that what I'm doing is right. This is what I should do. This is exactly where I should go. I should be trying to earn more money so I can have bigger toys. I should be trying to have a bigger house with a bigger mortgage so I have to work harder and spend less time with my kids. I should be doing deception. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. So where are you today? Which critical condition do you find yourself in today? I want to spend a few moments as we get ready to close and go through five things that no matter where you are, no matter what the critical condition in your life is, if you will do these five things, you are going to start immediately to start to get some life support in that area. You're going to immediately start to jumpstart the life that God wants to give in that area. And the first thing that we need to do is, number one, make a decision to live. How many of you guys would just, just kind of be with me in this statement that breathing, eating, and pooping does not mean we're alive. Right? That does not mean we're alive. That's not living. Just because I'm doing those things. Biological life isn't life. And that's why even though 
On the outside, some of us look like we got it all put together. Life is so good. On the inside, we're just dying. We have to make a decision to live. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. Listen to this. That I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. God has a plan. And we have a plan. It's right there. It's right there before you. God's plan will lead to life. Our plan leads to death. Choose life. The second thing is that we need to renew our vision for life. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul, one of the, I mean, Hall of Fame Christian, says this in Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken a hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, at the height of his ministry, says these words. I don't get it. I haven't taken hold of it yet. So why in the world do we, when we have served God for six months, a year, 10 years, 15, some of you, thir- why do we say, I've got it now? I got it figured out. I know what I need to do. He says, no, I haven't taken hold of it, but what I am going to do is I'm going to press on. Jesus is the goal, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget what's happened. And for some of us, that means that there's been some crap in the back, right? There's been stuff that's happened behind us in life, and it wasn't good. It was hurtful. It was negative. And we have to forget that. But some of us have had some awesome things, too. And it's impossible to live looking backwards. forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what is ahead. I press on heavenwards to reach the prize that I'm called to in Christ Jesus. Think about that. If one of the banner Christians who wrote a third of the New Testament can say that, I think we need to be constantly saying, God, renew my vision of what life should be. The third thing that we need to do is we need to expose the enemies of life. We need to expose the enemies of life. Hebrews 12.1 says this, let us throw off everything 
that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's throw off what? Everything. What is, the, what is he saying there? If there's anything that's keeping me back, if there's anything that's making my journey towards Jesus more difficult, if there's any sin, I just want to throw it off. If there's anything that provokes me to be lustful, if there's anything that encourages within me to become prideful, if there's anything that ensnares me, throw it off. Cast it away and go after God. Identify the enemies of life within you because there are things that are right now in position in your life to rob you of what God wants to do in you. Right now, already in position right now. And if you don't know what they are, you will walk into that trap blind. The fourth thing is that we need to protect life with accountability. Ecclesiastes 4, 8, and 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. See, for us to do life the way God wants us to do life, we have to do life with support. We need to have people around us that care about us, love us, and when we fall, they'll be the ones that pick us up. There's nothing more humiliating than being slightly overweight in waders in the middle of a mossy river and falling. Just want you to know that. Very few things are more humiliating than that, especially because most of the people on a river like that know what they're doing. <laughs> they paid a lot of money to get there, and they are fishermen. I am not a fisherman. So when I fell down in, in the river, um, and the water is 38 degrees, and it's, you know, like 50 on the outside, and your leg kind of fills up with water, right, you need someone to help you up. You don't get up on your own. <laughs> Just telling you, you're like, you need one of those little like life alert. Like, I've fallen. I've fallen. Come get me. I mean, that's the way it is in life. Can I be honest? Vulnerable? There are areas of your life right now that you've probably already fallen. And there have probably been people who love you so much that they've tried to have conversations with you and tried to pick you up and you looked at them and said, no, I just want to lay here in this cold butt river. It's a stupid, that's a stupid thing to say. And that's how some of us have been. Because we need people who love us, who will come aside and pull us up. The last thing that we need to do is to live for God. Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, 
For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. If you follow your own plan, it will lead to death. But if we will embrace the fact that God has a plan for us and just say, God, I, I, I don't care. You at the center, I'm just going to go after you. Somehow, through the power that he has, he can look into our life and say that sickness will not end in death. That place that you've been struggling with, that hurt that you have never been able to get over, that relationship that wounded you so much that you have not been able to give forgiveness to, that addiction that you have walked through life with, that sickness will not end in death. Let's pray. God, today we look to you and we ask that God as we come to you for life support that by your grace and mercy you would in us just begin to change and transform God come and encourage come and strengthen and for those of us God that feel a little bit lost and shaken God we ask that you find us today now, with nobody looking around, I want to give an invitation that goes along with that last point there. It's important that the only real way to choose life is to choose to live for God. Is to look at our plans and just recognize that they're busted and they're broken and they're not working. And to say, God, I don't care anymore. I just want to follow you. I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I just want your plan in my life. I just want to follow you, God. And maybe that's you today. It doesn't mean that you've been trying to do anything that was wrong or bad or evil, but you've been doing your own thing. You haven't been following Jesus the way that you know you should have. And maybe today is a time that you would stand before God right now in your heart and say, God, it's your way. It's all about you. I'm, I am here for you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up if that's you. If you're the person that would say, hey, it's not an issue of me being bad or good. I've just been living my own way. And I'm tired of living my own way. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, just a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. If you would say that today, I'm done with that, and I want to follow God. If that's you, put your hands up right now, all across the room. That's awesome. Is there anybody else that would say today, I'm tired of living my own way. I'm tired of doing it my own way. I want to follow you, Jesus. Amen.
So God, for those that just raised their hands, we just say thank you, God, that you receive us with such grace and humility. And God, we just, we look to you. God, we look to you. And we ask that as we come out of here and we let you become our life, we stop trying to define our life and make our life. And we say, God, Lord, you are our vision. Come redefine what life is supposed to be about so that we can, by grace and mercy, follow you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you've done in lives this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.